If you have a Bible, why don't you open up to Daniel. We're in our final week of our series in Daniel. Daniel 12, uh, starting in the middle, is where we're going to be. Daniel 12, we'll start in, uh, in verse 5. All right, let's pray and we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for the gift of eternal life. It's in you, Jesus. And so every week we celebrate it. We remember all that you've done as we remember uh, dads today and all that they've done to form us and shape us. Lord, we look to you. Uh, you are our Father, and we need your love, and we need your guidance, and we need your correction, and we need your gentle encouragement, and sometimes we need your rebuke. Lord, we need you and all that comes with knowing you. And so, God, as we look to the ancient book in Daniel, we pray that you'll open our eyes to see your love and the great rewards that you have in store for us who follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, speaking of rewards, like everyone's got a reward program today. Haven't you figured that out? You can't go anywhere. I mean, uh, I was in H&M the other day. It's like, join the rewards program, which is basically their opportunity to troll, right? I mean, you give them your phone number, you give them your email address, and you get like 5% off on occasion, and they get a chance to look at your entire life. That's what a reward program is in the United States. Have you not figured that out? Which is why I'm a fan of it. No, actually, I, I, I'm into the rewards, especially the airlines. If you fly a bunch and you are a part of whatever, I'm with Delta and SkyMile. So uh, reward gives you access, right? It gives you uh, the first person to get on the line to get on the plane. I want my luggage by me, right? Uh, if you fly and you're in the rewards program, you get miles or you get points and free travel and all that. Everyone's got it, supermarkets, gas stations, Everyone, and here's why. I was joking about the trolling. Some of you are freaked out. Um, just press unsubscribe, right, uh, on the emails. But when, when it comes to rewards, in the end, businesses know how we are built and the psychology and what makes up how we make decisions. We're enticed. We're incentivized if you give me something in returns. We're motivi motivated by the idea of rewards. And why do I talk about that? We're at the end of Daniel, and we're going to get to the final line. It'll take a little while to get there. But in Daniel, at the end of chapter 12, you're going to see this great promise, and it has to do with rewards. We're, we finished the second half, which was mysterious, some of this apocalyptic vision. But now the end is going to be crystal clear. So let's read Daniel 12. We'll start in verse 5, and then we want to get to rewards. Verse 5 says, Then I, Daniel, looked. This is at the end of the vision. His final vision's happened. Now he's standing there. I looked. There before me stood two others. One, um, one on this bank of the river and the other on the opposite bank. These are like angelic beings. One of them said to the other man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? Remember, he'd had these Amazing graphic visions. Verse 7, the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted up his right hand and his left toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be, this is his answer, it will be for a time, times and a half a time. Which is like, okay, thank you very much. When the, and then he gives a descriptor. When the power of the holy people has finally broken or been broken, all these things will be completed. Once again, thank you very much for nothing. That's the end of, uh, of the story here. Daniel's caught up in this vision, and he now, he now eavesdrops on two who are discussing what's, 
When's it going to happen? All these things that God has promised. And then look at verse 8. Daniel wants to know. He says, I heard, but I didn't understand. Daniel, neither do I. Uh, so I asked. So he asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And he, he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. So Daniel's like, I want to know, I want to know. And then he gets this like seemingly whatever kind of response. All right. Uh, a time, a times and a half a time. What's going on here? Daniel wants to know the future. And I think what we're getting is God's poetic way of saying, Daniel, you don't get to know. Daniel wants to know. He's gotten these glimpses. And just like you and me, we want to know. What's going to go on? How's it going to happen? And what should I do right now? And Daniel gets time, times, and half a time, which is, which is unclear. And notice what he gets also, the little hint. When the power of the holy people has finally been broken, all these things will be completed. In other words, there will be a time when human resources are going to run out. And then that's when God's going to step in. He doesn't know. And, and he's told clearly, this, the vision is rolled up and sealed. This is like vague language to say, Daniel, you get enough of the vision to trust God, but you don't get to know the times and the dates to predict. Now, we're going to get to the rewards at the end. I think the point is, is made clear in verse 11. It gets, it gets clear. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished, this is when all this stuff's going to happen, and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the 1,335 days. Is that now clear? First it was time, times, and half a time. And now he's given, yeah, 1290, and oh, by the way, 1335. This is getting stranger. Now what's the significance of these days? This is where, this is where there's divergent opinions. Some people think that this is referring back to what we talked about. In history, some of these prophecies were fulfilled. And some think this has to do with that last leader, Antiochus Epiphanes, that was prophesied hundreds of years in advance. God told Daniel about some kingdoms to come. And you know what? In real history, these took place. Some people think this has to do with him. Others think, no, no, this isn't about the old. This is about way in the future. Daniel gets like a telescope view. It's way out there. And there's going to be this time period and it's about the Antichrist to come in the future. That there's going to be this time frame. It's interesting. I've read a lot about that. And basically no one can agree. If you, if you think this is dates about the future, you have two different dates. And you have to do all sorts of numeric gymnastics to figure out what these dates really mean. I think, humble opinion, I think times, time, and half a time, and these two vague numbers are like my mom growing up. My mom growing up, she was stuck on the number 50 million. You know, how many times have I told you, I told you 50 million times to clean your room, <laughs> right? You know, uh, mom, are you, are you okay? I got 50 million things in my mind right now. Give me, give me some space. 50, where did she get 50 million? Now, she didn't mean the number after 49,999. She didn't mean that. She meant a lot, right? 50 million for mom, and she still says it to this day, is a lot. And I think what we're getting here with these two vague references is not a 
particular, here's the recipe, when you count the days, you will know. I think it's, the point is, God alone knows. This is poetic way. Remember how we read apocalyptic. You have these cryptic numbers that are not always, sometimes they are, they're not always literally count the days, but more of a, a way of saying God knows. Time, times, and half a time. By the way, as I'm talking over here, my mom's texting me, happy Father's Day. I love you, mom. And I shouldn't have my phone on. All right, there you go. It's, it's funny, it's my countdown clock, but then my little text came up from mom. Oh, she knew I was mocking her with the 50 million. All right. <laughs> and she actually watches this thing. Hi, mom. <laughs> now, that's a relevant word. When we think about the future, right, this is actually cryptic but a relevant word to you and I, especially it happens to fall on Father's Day. If you are a dad, you want to know the future. Now, if you're not a dad, you want to know the future. But if you're responsible, your dad, your mom, or your aunt, or uncle, or grandparent, you want to know the future, especially when it comes to future generations that are connected to you. If you're a caring father, you're concerned about where your kids are headed. And here's the, here's the part. You get hints of where they're headed, don't you? Hints, trends, but you don't know the details. Our, our kids are 16, almost 17, and 13. And they're, they're the same and totally different. Any of you can relate to that? You have multiple kids. They're the same. They've got the, the two best parents, right? Known to man. And at the same time, like there's some similarities, but they, they process things different, different passions, all that stuff. And so I have a hint of where they're going. I see abilities in them. I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be interesting to watch this unfold. Whether it's athletic or whether it's artistic or whether it's just social. Like I see my kids, I'm like, I could see them being great at. But you know what? I'm not privy to their future. And I think in the same way, if you and I are going to follow Jesus, what we get is, catch this, we get enough, we get these hints, we get enough to trust God, but not so much that we can rely on our human ingenuity. What if Daniel had been told the countdown clock to the number of days? Where would his trust be? It would be in the calendar, but he's not given all of that, he's given just enough. Now all of that leads to the final verse, verse 13, and this is where I wanna camp for the next few minutes, and I want us to think through what it means to receive from God. Okay, catch this. Verse 13, underline it. It's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. As for you, this is the word to Daniel. As for you, go your way to the end. You will find rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. I want us to think about this verse because it's interesting. On all that were given, mysterious the first six chapters are pretty clear. It's Daniel's life, 7 through 12, full of mystery. But the last verse is something that you and I can grab hold of as Jesus followers and, and use to encourage ourselves and to bring hope. Three ideas I want you to wrestle with or things that you could do. Write them down. First one, write this down. We can live with the end in view. Uh, the verse starts with, as for you, go your way to the end, and then you will rest. Now, Daniel's life has been anything but easy. If you've looked at it with honesty, his life has been really challenging and really hard. But somehow, Daniel lives with the end in view. 
even when his people are allowed to go home, back to Israel, right? He doesn't get to go. He's in his 80s. He's going to die in a foreign land, but he's praying for the people back home in Israel who are rebuilding the temple, who are being discouraged. He's looking forward. He's living now with the end in view. Let me just ask you, what's driving your day-to-day decisions right now? We're all being led by something. Some idea is gripping you and pulling you forward, and your mindset does matter. I'm here to encourage you. If you consider Jesus to be the King and the Lord, and you choose to follow him, we can, not everyone does, hear me, not everyone does. We can, we're allowed to live with the end in view. So Daniel's in his late 80s, and what what does the messenger tell him? Keep going, go your way. Like, what what are you gonna do in the future? What are you gonna do in the future? He's old, what are you gonna do in the future? Daniel, forget about what I'm gonna do in the future. You go your way to the end. Anyone can start well, not everyone will end well. And your perspective on how you live your life will determine whether you end well or end with regret. You can. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean we don't get off track. We all have seasons of closeness to Jesus and seasons where he seems 50 million miles away in the spirit of mom, right? But we can choose to think about where this world is headed and where we're headed. And God, we can live with the end in view. Here's my word for you. Don't allow your circumstances to stick you, to keep you stuck circumstances are going to come and go. Daniel has it in his life. And so sometimes what we do, even as Jesus followers, is something comes our way, throws us like a like hit in the side of the head, right? We didn't expect it. And it happens. Uh, whether it's a child who ends up going on a path, we never planned for them. Whether it's health deteriorates, whether it's the job that was secure is now gone, whether it's financial portfolio looks lush and now it's been flushed and it's gone, right? What do you do? You can allow those circumstances to skew your view of God and what he wants to do in your world. God, why did this happen? God, why am I going through this? God, where are you? And if you're wrestling with those questions, hey, don't run for them. We don't hide from those questions. We embrace them. Daniel asks them as well. But we don't let them stick us and get us apart from the presence of God. We allow those questions to drive us back to God. And guess what we learn in Daniel? Two things about God you need to remember if you read Daniel. One, God will not always tell you why and when. So we gotta live with the end in view. And if we're in the middle right now, and we don't know why this is happening, God doesn't promise Daniel or you and me that he's gonna tell us when or why. Second thing you're gonna know about God from Daniel, is that God is worth trusting. He's there. Daniel is thrown in the den of lions. God is there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown in the fiery furnace, and God is not on the outside shooting some, you know, air con into the furnace to cool him off. God is there in the middle of the fiery furnace, and, and even the king looks in and says, there were three, now I see four. God is there. You don't always see him. You don't always know 
And now I got a happy Father's Day for my brother living in Estonia. This is getting weird, man. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm very distracted. Forgive me. I won't text him back, but I'm tempted. All right. God has shown himself faithful. So you don't get to know when and, and you don't get to know why, but you do get to know God. And that's why studying the Bible is so thrilling. I see God in the lives of very real flawed people like you and me. And God is at work. So let me just ask you, what is guiding your thought process as you live day to day? Are you living with the end in view? Do you realize that God is with you now and God is with you forever and God is trying to lead you? Or have you allowed the circumstances and the pressures of this life just to skew your view of God and keep you on the sidelines this morning? You get to live with that kind of hope. Second thing, write this down. I think it's the first thing he says about the future. Just keep going. Second thing, we can live with hope in the resurrection to come. The middle of the verse says, you will rest, Daniel, a.k.a. you're going to die. And then at the end of the days, this is interesting, Daniel, you will rise. And and. If you're looking at the time of Daniel, there's not a lot about the life after life. If you read the Bible in sequence of how it's given, there's actually not a lot. We get more in Jesus and more in the New Testament about life after this life. But at the time of Daniel, there wasn't a lot of written material that he could hold on to about the life to come. But, but he gets from God this revelation, which I think you and I can really lean into You and I are going to rest. I'm not saying about the nap you're going to take this afternoon, okay? You're going to rest. Daniel, you're 80 some odd years old. You're coming to the season of rest. You're going to die. Live Live with the end in view. Be faithful as much as you can in following Jesus to the end. And in the end, you're going to rise again. There's resurrection. Daniel, this life is filled with trouble. But on the other side of this life is hope. Because you will rise again. Now, what is the resurrection and what does resurrection mean? I mean, if you're in church for a while, that's kind of a common term. If you're just checking out Jesus, new to the Bible, resurrection seems odd. Well, what do we learn from Jesus? Jesus, in John chapter 11, just write down the reference, verse 25, says, speaking to to, uh, a woman whose brother had just died and was in the grave. Lazarus is in a real tomb, dead as dead can be. And Jesus tells his sister, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then this gets mysterious. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, which seems like a contradiction, right? If you, if you live, anyone believes in me, We'll live after dying. And then he says, no, you're not going to die. You'll never, ever die. What is, what is that about? Jesus is the center of life itself. He's the author of life. Jesus is the one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who create all things. And Jesus, God walking on planet Earth, says, this is the mystery. Those who follow me, those who trust in me, have this hope. And Lazarus, by the way, was one of those who had heard Jesus and had trusted in Jesus. Somehow, Jesus is aware of this. And he says to to Mary and Martha, I am life itself. So, yes, if you are here and are 
not around when Jesus returns, we're going to die. So Lazarus is really, really dead. But he's not. He's alive. And Jesus says, this isn't just for Lazarus. This is for any, anyone here at 26 West, anyone here on Father's Day, who places their trust in Jesus alone as the one who came and gave his life to die and pay the penalty for our sin and rose again because he is the resurrection. You can't keep Jesus in the grave. He's life itself. Anyone who follows him will experience life after death. So what happens if you and I uh, aren't around when Jesus returns? The body will die. But, but us, the way God created us, not just physical, but multidimensional, call it spiritual, call it non-tangible, the part of you that's not just body, whatever that thing is, those of us who die that part of who we are goes to be with God right now. And then we get later in one of Jesus' followers, Paul, he gets this revelation. Paul, like Daniel, is multiple times taken up into the presence of God. So I'm thinking, well, that whole Daniel thing, that's just like way before Jesus. No, after Jesus, Paul says, I was taken up. By the way, John the Apostle was taken up into the presence of God. God has a way of getting our attention. And so Paul, after getting these revelations, he writes probably the clearest understanding we get of life after life in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm just going to read one little portion of it because it goes along with what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you live in me, you're never really going to die because to be away from this body is to be with me in the presence of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Christ, Jesus, has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he's the first one to die, but more than that. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, so just like Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam, all die. So Jesus really died. And in Adam, all of us have sinned and we all die. But look, so in Christ, all will be made alive again. The reason we have hope, the reason we could live with the resurrection in view of eternal life in view is because Jesus patterns our future. So we're not the pioneers. Jesus is the pioneer. He, like, like a man, just like us, he really dies. But because he's the son of God, he comes and he is alive now. He's resurrected. And the Bible says everyone now who believes in him, this isn't just everyone like who's alive. Everyone who believes in him is going to be raised at the end and will experience eternal life. The first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. What am I saying? Resurrection means that this life isn't the only life and this life isn't the end. Now, that may not be a big deal to you, but that idea will shape how you live tomorrow. If there is no resurrection... If this world is all you get, that will shape the decisions you make. That will shape the paths that you take. If you believe in the end, it's over. So I'm kind of like free to do whatever because, hey, when it's over, it's over. And that's, that's it. That's going to radically shape how you live your life. But the moment you get a hold of the truth that Jesus is life itself, and he came to die and rise again to pattern, to be the first one to pioneer the way. And that now I can live with God forever. That, that ought to motivate me to live differently. Daniel, 
Live with the end in view. You're 80 some odd years old, end well. Keep, don't worry about the times and dates. Don't worry about how much time you have left. Serve me today. And Daniel, live with the resurrection in view. The third thing I want us to remember is we can expect rewards that will last. This is, this is what I was starting off at the beginning, talking about we can expect rewards. So the end is, if we're going to follow Jesus, is Jesus. And the resurrection is the hope that means this world may be filled with trouble, but this isn't the only life. There is the life to come. Now, side note on that, that doesn't mean we don't care about this life. Don't take that in the wrong way. Like, who cares about what I do and who cares about the decisions I make and who cares about whether I save or I spend or leave a legacy for my grandkids. Knowing that the resurrection is there doesn't make us lazy or haphazard, no. It just means that God's taking us somewhere and my hope isn't what I, in what I accumulate. My hope isn't whatever I do in this life and whether people write about me when I'm dead or not. My hope isn't in those tangible things. My hope is in Jesus, who is life, is aware of my life, which is this third idea. We can ex- expect, and that was, a very, I tried to look at synonyms to get a kind of a, because expect seems like, wow, I, I get it. Like, I, if I do that, I get this. And I think I could say this with confidence. We can expect rewards that will last. This isn't a guess. How do I know that? At the end of the verse in Daniel 13, 12, 13, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Daniel is promised rewards. In the end, you will sleep. You will rise. You will receive your allotted inheritance. So God sees and God knows, and guess what? God rewards. And this is, this is all over the Bible. And I'm talking about motivators. We ought to be motivated to live with the end in view. At the end of my life, I want to be faithful to God. Not just now. Not just for 10 years. Oh, oh, let me I'll get you on this one. Not just when the kids are in the house. If you're a mom or a dad. We're going to hold it together while the kids are here to show them a model. And then when they're gone, whew, man, I could do whatever I want. Like, that, no, the motivation is even at 85, Daniel's getting a word from God, live faithful. Oh, man, talk about an opportunity. And that means you could be in your 60s now, have blown the first 60 years of your life. There's still hope. Live with the end in view. Follow Jesus now and there's reward. God is faithful. And so Daniel can expect that his life wasn't just spent in faithfulness to God with God not seeing it. God really sees and God really rewards. So if you look at Jesus in the New Testament, there are at least 43 examples. And I'm going to go through every single one of them painstakingly slow. No, I'm not. But there are 43 examples of Jesus or God in the New Testament doling out rewards. Hebrews 11, verse 6, I'll just give you one. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he's real. And that what? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. God loves to lavish, gracious, loving gifts to those who seek him. 
He is not about your pain and suffering, although there are seasons of pain and suffering. That's part of following him. But he is about rewards. So on the whole, if you read all 43, and, and I did this week, all these examples, here's what you get on the whole, that rewards are about God giving gracious response to faithfulness. Now let me give a disclaimer. Rewards, uh, this is where the, the metaphor breaks down with the airline miles. If I fly the miles, I get the miles. They're my miles. So Delta right now owes me 65,000 mile points of rewards. I've earned them. I paid for the tickets. I get them back. That's not how it works with God. Rewards are never about God owing us. He doesn't owe us anything. And by the way, God's never in debt. Like you don't have a car with God. Look what I did. Look what I, what I get. But rewards are very real. He just graciously loves to give them. So it's not like I'm doing to get. It's God loves to reward those who earnestly seek him. And if you long to live your life for God, God knows both the action and the heart, which is why hypocrisy won't be rewarded. Because Jesus all the time is saying to the most good-looking, religious, on the outside, everything together people in his day, and he went up to them and he's like, you guys are like graves. When I look at your soul, you're like a tomb. I see death in you because you're putting on a show for everyone else, but your heart is far from me. You know how to tithe off of your herbal garden. You know how to keep the holy days, but all you do is send people to hell by putting weight on them, and you don't care. So Jesus he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But also on the temple, you remember there's a woman and everyone's given their offering and, and a lady just throws in a little penny in the bucket. And he says to the disciples, she's given more than anybody. She's earnestly seeking. Everyone else gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her need. I see her. And so the same could be said for you. God sees you and he loves to reward you in your pursuit of him. And so here's what we know about God and rewards. I'm going to summarize. God reward, God's rewards are for us in this life. They're in this life. They're real. Matthew 10, 28. Um, Peter spoke up and said, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. And Jesus, truly I tell you, he replied, no one who's left home or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or feels for me and the gospel, the good news, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, a.k.a. now. And Jesus goes to clarify. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, feels. Disclaimer. Along with persecutions. In other words, God's rewards don't negate that life will be hard. So Daniel has the reward of walking with God, hearing from God, getting visions from God, being used from God in the workplace, being used from God in his country while he's alive. He was never killed off. He's living under foreign kings and he survived. And not only he survived, he made it to the top. All of that are rewards. Why? He's at home three times a day praying to God. Nobody's watching. 
He's calling on God. And God loves to reward those who earnestly seek him. So the rewards are for the here and now. There are rewards for living generously. And so as you share your life, as you share your finances, as you, as you share your home, as you share your time, as you share your energy, God loves to reward you now. It's not just like follow Jesus really hard here, suck it up, and in eternity, he'll tip you. No, God rewards now. Hundred times now, this is where numbers get dangerous. Do not give a dollar and expect a hundred dollar bill on the way out. God is not in debt. And please don't stick it to God. I did this, now you do that. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. The woman gives everything. Nobody's watching, but God is. And when your heart is centered on Jesus, and your life is lived sacrificially for the good of others, you don't have to impress me, you don't have to impress anyone else. God already knows you, and he knows your heart, and he knows your action, and he loves to reward you, yes, with persecutions that are there too. And in the age to come, guess what? Eternal life, so you get reward now, but you get reward in the age to come. And that's the second idea. God's rewards are for us in the life to come, not just now. So it's one thing to say God rewards you now. Oh, great. But what about after this life? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and following. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we are always confident and know as long as we're at home in the body, as long as we're living here, we're away from the Lord. In other words, we're not fully in his presence. This human body couldn't stand this body filled with sin couldn't stand in his presence right now. So we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, and I say, we would prefer to be away from the body, that is, to be in the life to come, and at home with the Lord, fully with him. So, in light of that, verse 9, we make it our goal to please him, whether we're here at home in the body, like today, or away from him when we die in the life to come. And look at the thought here, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us, what is due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, this is written for Jesus followers specifically. He's talking about us. That one day there will be a, a handing out and you hear the judgment seat of Christ. And I know this is exactly what I go to. Oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. Like the judgment we, we immediately, visit me, we immediately go dark. Like, judgment seat of Christ, like, things done whether good or bad. Like, good maybe, but really bad. Like, and, and Jesus is storing up like this for us as kids. He's going to really slam me. Now, hold up a second. I think what Paul is saying here is that God is always faithful. Now, by the way, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all wrongdoing. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we will not get whipped for the sins we have done. Jesus has already provided full cleansing for all of that. But this stuff, now some of the stuff we do is going to fade. It's like wood, hay, stubble. We didn't build on purposeful things. We wasted some time. So there may not be great reward for that. But whatever we've done in Jesus' name, even a cup of cold water given to someone because they're a child of God, Jesus says, oh, there's reward for you. There's great reward now. 
I'm going to sound a little crass, but I believe it to be true. Following Jesus actually pays off. It pays off in this life. It's not just like an escape hatch, you know, for the future. It is the best, most thrilling, satisfying, long-term way of living your life. You can live apart from Jesus and fully live and thrive, sort of. Tons of money in the bank and absolutely confused in your soul. Tons of accolades by everyone else, but no one knows the real you and no one's with you in your quiet place. And I think that's where most people, if they're honest in an interview or something, admit it. I've got everything, but I feel like I've got nothing. And those of us who are in Jesus can say, I am dirt broke, but I've got God. I have a little bit of money and I've got God. I have a ton of money and I have God. Because Jesus makes absolutely all the difference in the world. So the reward, hear it in the fullness, the reward is Jesus and his presence and his goodness now with trouble. There will be trouble, but you have Jesus in the middle of it now and you have Jesus later in life. And when you look back, you could see the pattern of Jesus getting you out of all sorts of problems, letting some problems linger leaning on him even in those times. And in the end, when we go from this life, when my eyes close for the last time, I'm gonna open my eyes, so to speak, and I'm gonna see Jesus. And then one day, if you read all of 1 Corinthians, one day Jesus is going to return and somehow all of these molecules in a new, everlasting, Jesus-like body are gonna come back together and the presence, the way God's made me, physical and non-physical, the part that's non-physical that's with him is going to be united with the physical. And just like Jesus was physically raised from the dead, people had lunch with him. They held hands. Jesus walked. He also walked through walls. Pretty cool. All that stuff, I get a body like that, and I'm with the Lord forever. So faithfulness to Jesus has rewards now and in the life to come. And that's good news. You say, Jose, but I'm like 55, and my pattern for the first 55 haven't been that great. You're not alone. Do me a favor. Listen to Daniel. And today, determine in your heart to live now to whatever else you get with, with the end in view and with the resurrection in view and with God's rewards in view and by the way, God can even make up for lost time. But he can't make up for what you don't give him, right? So to hear a message and say, it's too late, that's not very helpful. But this morning, I'm going to say a word to you dads. Let's lead the way in choosing to live with, with the future, with eternity in view. That doesn't mean you have to be a superhero. We're not superheroes. You could be real, but learn to live differently. And men and women, young and old, let's live like Daniel. Let's choose to obey God now while we're given the opportunity and tomorrow. And no matter what comes our way, let's choose to follow him. You and I can. We can determine the course of our actions right now. So here's what we need. We need to go beyond hearing this and we actually need to live it out. This is our last week in Daniel. And uh, it's been fun. I'm kind of sad. Um, but I think it drives us towards a question I want you to wrestle with, and frankly, we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern. Write down this 
question because it could take all that we looked at Daniel and, and bring it home for you. What does it look like for me? I usually use the inclusive us, right? But now I want, I want to get to you. What does it look like for me to live in light of eternity? What, what adjustments do I need to make right now? In light of what's to come, something has to happen now. And if I'm on the right course, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to say, keep going. Well done. Love it. But there's probably one or two course corrections that God in His goodness, because He's good, is going to show you, hey, you're doing well in this area, but over here, this needs to stop, or this needs to be added, or this needs to be adjusted. And I would hope as a people, we would be sensitive enough to listen to God the Holy Spirit and allow Him to direct our course so that at the end of our days, like Daniel, we can hear the words, you will be rewarded. I pray that for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've come and that in your perfect way, you provided a way for us to come back from our brokenness and from our past and from our shame and from our sin and to be made clean, to be made whole. And now, Lord, we're seated here as sons and daughters, those of us who've chosen to follow you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit of God, now to guide us. Lord, we want to live in the right way. We want to see things from your perspective. But we, we recognize we're being bombarded, Lord, by all sorts of messages that are saying, live for the here, live for the pleasure, live for the now, live for you, live for whatever you think is right. And God, we want to resist that. Help us, Holy Spirit, we pray as we worship you, King Jesus, to, to live tomorrow in light of eternity. And should you give us tomorrow to make the most of it for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand on your feet if you would. And um, as we respond with singing, those of you who are part of our family know, we have a prayer room. If, if you're a, a guy, a lady, young, old, and something struck you this morning, and you want prayer for anything, during this response time of singing, at any point you could just slip out, look to your right, and go through that door. Across the way is our office with some couches and chairs. And we've got a team of men and women that want to sit and listen and pray with you. For the rest of us, prepare your heart and mind. In a bit, we're going to receive the bread and the cup. We're going to remember Jesus, who died and rose again to make all this possible. And we want to give our lives to him. Look, this morning, if you've not yet chosen to put your trust in Jesus, do it now. When we take the bread and the cup, you say, Jesus, I trust in you. Give me eternal life. And friend, you will never be the same. All right, let's respond in worship by singing to Jesus.